Welcome to Russian History Retold. Today, I want to share my book review I did recently for my Patreon podcast. I reviewed three books, Ruska by Edward Rutherford, and Who's to Blame and How Did I Get Here by listener and Facebook Russian Rulers History Podcast group member Jane Marlowe. I'll be doing at least one book review a month on Patreon. As for regular episodes, I put one out on the 15th and 30th of each month. Right now, I'm starting a three-part series on the secret police of Russia and the Soviet Union. Part one is already out, with part two coming out on July 30th. If you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash Russian Rulers and sign up to be either a boyar or a czar patron. Now, on to the book review. Welcome to the Russian Rulers History Podcast, Patreon edition. Today we will be doing one of our book reviews. But this time, it will not be on books about history, but historical novels. Three of them, to be exact. The first one being Ruska, the novel of Russia by Edward Rutherford, who is also the author of Serum, the novel of England. And by one of our Facebook friends in our Russian Rulers History podcast group, Ms. Jane Marlowe, who wrote two, Who is to Blame, A Russian Riddle, and How Did I Get Here? Before we get into the books, uh, I want to apologize for not getting this out earlier. Uh, my eldest daughter uh, just came out of the COVID ward at the local hospital. She had been there for almost a month and in pretty dire straits for a while, but she is now healthy. She got out uh, on July 4th. It was her Independence Day, you might say. So it was really, you know, worrying us, uh, especially my wife and I, about our daughter and seeing that she would make it out healthy. Unfortunately, her last roommate passed away uh, just a few days before she was released. So this is a serious issue. Uh, thank God she is all right. And I want to thank everybody on Facebook and all my other friends who are listening to the podcast who sent good wishes and uh, prayers and thoughts. It really did make a difference for all of us. Uh, including my wife, myself, and my daughter. So, thanks again. So, let's start with the first book, uh, Ruska. It is a large, large book. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of War and Peace. It uh, comes in close to a thousand pages in paperback and is really well written. Uh, Rutherford is an amazing uh, author. Uh, it basically looks at a little area called Ruska, small town and this area surrounding it over time. This is a fictional town. There's no such city like that. But it goes from the early times of the land of the Rus all the way just to the edge of the uh, Russian Revolution. And I'd like to read a passage from it. Uh, it's from a chapter called Fathers and Sons. The force of will that had built this place up was frightening to contemplate. And it's all there in his face, Peter thought. The great square head, the smoldering eyes, the heavy brows, and that mighty, shapeless promontory of a nose. Did they still make noses like that? His father's had been large, his own inclined to heaviness. But history itself might have paused, he thought, before Sava's features, like a sculptor before a stubborn granite rock face. My God, he realized. He's like one of those elders of ancient times, from beyond the Volga, only turned into a merchant. 
Such was Sava Suvarin. At first, life had not been too unpleasant. His grandparents lived in a simple stone house, not a tenth of the size of the big Moscow house. It was furnished simply, with heavy, rather ugly furniture, which was impressive for being solid and highly polished. But what did the old people want with him? When he took Peter with him on his rounds, Sava gave no inclination of what was expected, and after a few weeks, Peter supposed the old man was bored with his company and would soon send him back to Moscow. So, this is just a brief little glimpse into this book. Uh, it's hard to give it you know, the kind of uh, review that you would want in depth because of its size and scope, but I really highly recommend it, especially in the summertime and you know, in this time of isolation that's still going on around the world. It's a nice long read. overlooked the low-slung huts. Seeing no one, she squeezed through one of the countless caps in the widow Shabanova's battered fence and sprinted to the equally decrepit barn. The door's wooden hinges heaved their familiar rasp as she slipped into the dimness. Her heart quivered while her eyes strained to see through the shadows. Shards of dusty sunshine wedged their way between the barn's shrunken boards. Since the death of Shabanova's husband five years earlier, no one except field mice used what was remaining of the structure. It was the ideal hideaway for young lovers, except for its location. Halfway between the two ends of the pocket-sized village, the rutted road forked around the sole public water well and its neighboring steam bathhouse. The thoroughly trumped patch of ground was generously dignified as the village square. It was with good reason that Elizaveta's heart bounded about her chest every time she slipped into the barn. The widow's homestead was within spitting distance of that center hub. She eased her back down the stall's rough-hewn boards and settled into the straw Fyodor had supplied for warmth and cushioning against the dirt floor. As her heart calmed, her lips grew pouty. Damn Jana and her ridicule of Fyodor. And the same went for the other girls, following the snob's lead like a bunch of witless sheep. Yet no one of them had a suitor who, in addition to sweating in the fields, squeezed in time to earn extra rubles. Now, if you want to follow uh, uh, Jane Marlowe's uh, books and her website. She actually has a, a Facebook group called Jane Marlowe Books, and uh, she's just an amazing author and a really nice lady, and I really appreciate that I was able to give her a review of the book, which is on the back cover. So uh, it's really, as I put it, a real glimpse into the day-to-day -day lives of the Russian people during the 19th century. Uh, as I also write, as you immerse yourself in Jane's book, you will feel the struggles of nobles and peasants alike as though you were walking in their very shoes. And that to me was really important to find out what the people are like, not just the history of the rulers, which is where I started the podcast, you know, over 10 years ago, 
but to find out what's going on with the people, to get the feelings of what it was like to live there, because it's very, very different than what you would think, uh, you know, in the rest of Western Europe. Well, sorry for that little bit of a musical interlude in the background, being my uh, cell phone going off uh, whenever uh, I have to have it on and nobody here is at the house in case something should happen with my daughter. So excuse me for that one, but I think we can move on from there. Uh, I want to go to the second book in Jane Marlowe's uh, series, How Did I Get Here? And it's something she calls the uh, Petrovo series. And it's going to follow a different track of different people, but it goes into, uh, starts in November of 1854 and ends in June of 1867. Another very important period in the 19th century in Russia, uh, because this is when the Crimean War was held. And it really shook up Russia because she had come out of you know, the 1812, 1814 with Napoleon's invasion and the defeat of him and, you know, reversing all those gains that the French had made and making Russia can seem like a very powerful nation uh, in the eyes of uh, the rest of Europe. And matter of fact, they were beginning to get scared of the Russian bear, which is what led into the Crimean War, as I've explained in those episodes. Uh, so she's, again, it's a fictionalized account, but it's really touching to see how these people we're trying to survive in this tough, tough time, especially during the Crimean War. And it's following somebody named Andre who was in uh, medical studies, and he was in his final year in 1854. And then he has to see what's going on. Uh, the Crimean War was really fascinating. You might think it's a kind of a precursor to the U.S. Civil War in World War One, with trench warfare and slaughter and just how we could mass kill people with machine guns and cannon and things like that. Whereas before we were looking at bows and arrows and rifles and things, now it's a more mechanized kind of warfare with more casualties. And not only the casualties of war and bullets and, and explosions, but also in disease like typhoid and other things like that that would run rampant through the uh, camps. It would actually, in many cases, kill more people and debilitate more people than the actual battles themselves. So uh, I'd like to uh, read an excerpt from her. And this is in December of 1854. In mid-December, young Kolya begins to work with us at the hospital. Daniel could tolerate neither the thought of Kolya living in a tent during the winter, nor the possibility of what might befall the boy in battle. He was able to get Kolya assigned as an orderly. Just temporarily, Danielle told the youngster, until that hole in your hand is fully healed. Kolya was as happy as a brass kopeck. I'll learn all sorts of medical things. I keep wondering why Danielle was so perplexably fond of a boy who, within a year, will either be shipped home or end up in a shallow grave in the Crimea. How could anyone develop a deep attachment to someone merely passing through his life? Why bother? One unseasonably mild morning at the tail end of the year, while ambling up to the hospital, I spot a horde of springless bullock carts that serve as ambulances. Moaning, blood-soaked men are being offloaded. I race to grab one end of a stretcher. What happened? I hollered to the ambulance driver gripping the other end. An assault on one of our rifle pits, he shouts over the mayhem. 
The wounded man's hand covers his blackened face. Powder magazine blew up. Inside the ward, cries for help ricochet off the stone walls. I speed from one ashen man to another, tying off hemorrhaging vessels with silk ligature. Shell fragments and splints can wait. As I wrap up a tight compress around the bleeding stump of a sergeant major's shin, the injured officer calls out in a clear, authoritative voice. Hold on, brothers. We'll beat them down yet. At the next bed, the priest makes the sign of the cross over a legless body. I give you up to God, Czar and Motherland. It's not going to be a pleasant read at times, because as you can hear, this is war. And this is the things that people had to go through in the Crimean War. And I'm going to be... uh, doing the episode next, I, I said the last time I was going to do it on the Russian Civil War, but I found out I did seven episodes of it in the uh, Russian Rulers History Podcast and Russian History Retold. So I'm going to switch to the history of the secret police, starting with Ivan the uh, Terrible's Oprachniki during the Oprachnina, and then moving into the Ohrana, which was the Tsar's secret police. And there were some very interesting findings that I made in the research that I'm going to be telling you about, about the life of Russians during that period. And it was very different from Western Europe. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really great read and a listen. It's going to come out on the 15th. I've already pretty much finished the script and just going through the uh, the editing process uh, now. So I hope you're going to enjoy it and uh, come back for that. We'll be doing some more episodes of reading of the chapters now that I'm you know, a little bit less stressed out about my daughter's life, and uh, she's doing quite well. Uh, the big problem that she faced was she lost 15 pounds because there was a period where she just couldn't even eat. So please, all of you, stay safe, wear a mask, be healthy, and uh, can't wait to see you next time. So until then, das vidanya i spasiba bolshoya.